we are we are learning the Sikha in Ukutta Sikha's Khailakha, the first Sikha on Parshas Lakha. And here we will learn an insight into the conversation that took place between Abraham and Sarah as they were traveling, journeying to Mitzrayim, to Egypt, after Hashem had told Abraham to leave his home and everything he knew and go on a journey. And then when they arrived where they had to go, there was a hunger. So at that point, we learn in the Pasuk that before they arrived in Mitzrayim, Abraham said to Sarah these words, V'hayan it will be, Kira osach when the Egyptians will see you, and they will say, Ishtozos, this is his wife, V'hargu osi, and they will kill me, V'osach yichayu, and they will let you live. So Abraham was fearful for his life, and he said to Sarah, Imri na'achosiat, say that you are my sister, so that way he will be spared. But he says to her these words, say that you are my sister, leman yitabli ba'avurech, so they, that they should good, do good to me because of you, and I will remain alive because of you. So there is a well-known question here, how could Abraham put Sarah's life into danger, put her into a situation that the Egyptians would take her away, that was likely to happen, and he says to her, so if you're not my wife, maybe they won't bother you, according to, they would take away the wives of the people who were coming to Mitzrayim, but he's telling her to say that she's his sister so that he should be saved. That's the question. He doesn't say anything about her being saved. So the commentaries here point out that Avram did not do anything wrong by this, and in the Zohar it says, as that Abraham was so secure in his knowledge that Sarah's merit was so great that it would take after her and nothing bad will happen to her. But if we give this answer, we can't say it's completely understandable because he does say the words, so that they should do good to me because of you, which indicates that because she will say he is his sister, he will get presents. How do we know this? This is what Rashi says in the Pasuk, because Hashem had promised Avraham that he would have many blessings, and we learn in Rashi that one of the blessings was that they would give him gifts. So how could it be? We're talking about such a serious situation. Sarah's life is being put into such an undesirable situation, so he has to protect her. Her life is very seriously at stake. So what value is there in the fact that he will get presents because of Sarah. That's what he says. Say that you are my sister. And immediately he says, so that it should be good to me. And here we learn that he should get presents. So the Zohar discusses this. And the Zohar says the following. Can it be that Abraham, who was a God-fearing person, who was a person who was an Ohev Hashem, he loved Hashem, how could he say such a thing? with regard to his wife, for his own benefit. And the Zohar answers right there that Abram was not relying on his own merit and he was not asking Hashem to take his own merits and put them onto him, but he was depending totally on the merit of his wife, that on the merit of his wife, he would earn, he would profit by getting the money of the nations, which we learned Hashem told him that going down when he was leaving, that he would be blessed. 
Hashem tells him many things, and when it says he would be blessed, we learn there that it means with money. And then the Zohar continues. The fact is that the money that a person has, he has in the merit of his wife, and the Zohar elaborates in more detail that if one has an Isha Maskelev, a wife who is smart, a wife who is worthy, so one is worthy of, to get everything in her merit. Then the Zohar continues, the Samik Aschus that Avram relied on her schus because he knew that they would not be able to punish her, they would not be able, able to makra hurt her in any way, and therefore he wasn't concerned that uh, she should say that she is his sister. And then, of course, they might take her. Also, here we have to look into it a little bit more because the Zohar asks these, this question in these words. The Zohar says, can it be that Avraham, as we just said, who was God-fearing, who loved Hashem, would say about his wife that he would seem to endanger her life and get benefits from it uh, so that he should benefit? How could Avraham have put her life into danger even to come to a situation that he should benefit? What does his benefiting have to do with the fact that her life would be in danger? And here the answer the Zohar says is that it was clear to Avraham that they would not be able to do anything to her. And then the Zohar continues, and therefore he said to her, say that you are my sister. So then why does the Zohar, before they get, the Zohar gets to these words, say that Avraham was certain that he would benefit and gain money from the nations as he had been promised, and continues to say that he was so certain that nothing would happen to her this he says only at the end. Why doesn't he say this in the beginning? And more than that, the Rebbe says, in the beginning of the answer, we learn these words. He did not rely on his own merit, and he did not want Hashem to make it be okay for him on his merit, but only because that sorrow was so great and he relied on her so that he should benefit. Why does it have to do with the question? How could he say about her that something uh, regarding her that she should say in a place where she would be endangered that he should benefit from it? How does one understand such a thing? It seems so out of character with everything related to Avraham. And now the Rebbe continues and the Rebbe explains. What did, Avraham, what did Hashem say to Avraham in the beginning of this parsha? Lech lecha, go for your benefit go for yourself, from your land, etc. And what will be the result? I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And Rashi says quite clearly there what each of these things means. means I will bless you with money. So when Avram heard this, in his mind, it made sense that the fact that Hashem brought them to such a situation that Avram came to Eretz Yisrael, but all of a sudden Hashem is testing him as saying, now you have to leave because there is a hunger, and where would he go? He would descend to Mitzrayim. So obviously Hashem promised him that if he goes to Eretz Yisrael, he will be blessed with many things, and maybe this is Hashem's way of having the promise, of having him benefit and acquire the wealth of the nations, maybe this would happen when he is taking this trip. And being that he saw in a way of nature that such a thing could happen, 
that he would be blessed with the money Hashem promised him from the nations. Maybe it's what happened in Mitzrayim in Egypt through the fact that Sarah would say that she is his sister. Therefore, he will get gifts. So therefore, he said to her, Imri Chosiat, say that you are my sister, so that they should do good for me because of you. And this is exactly what happened indeed. Because when she said that she's his sister, what happened? They took her away. But ultimately, they gave Avraham many great gifts because of her. And they gave him sheep and cattle and donkeys, etc. So just like when we take the literal story, so too it must be in the inner understanding of the story. Hashem told Avraham, Lech Lecha, go for yourself or go for your benefit. It was not just a physical journey to a place called Mitzrayim for a certain benefit, but it was really something that he was going from level to level. Lech Lecha, he was rising spiritually because by going down to Mitzrayim, the purpose was to elevate the sparks of holiness that were in the world. And the intent was so when you, in everything he did, and certainly when he went to Mitzrayim, in Mitzrayim there were sparks of Kedusha, and he would sort of release them with the work that he would do there, that Hashem wanted him to, and he would make that place a holier place. And being that when it comes to mitzvahs, what is the purpose of doing any mitzvahs? When we fulfill a command of Hashem with physical things in a physical world, what we try to do is sort of release the sparks of godliness that exist in everything in this world and elevate them higher. We refine the world in this manner, and this is done only in the way of nature. We don't do mitzvahs with supernatural things. This is the world where things are natural, physical, things around us that we come into contact with. So Avraham said to Sarah, say now that you are my sister, because by doing this, according to the way Hashem planned it, in the way of nature, the intent of coming down to Mitzrayim will happen. I will be able to do what I have to by coming here. So it should be good for me spiritually because of you. So now the Zohar's question really is, it seems that the good that would accrue from Avram and Sarah's going to Mitzrayim, even the spiritual good, would be Avram's benefit. But it doesn't seem that it would be Sarah's benefit. And on the contrary, it doesn't seem that Sarah benefited at all, because as the story happened, she would be taken to the house of Paro. It says, Vatu Isha Beis Paro. She was taken to his house. She was certainly put into great danger, but Hashem made a miracle and nothing happened to her. They were not even able to touch her. So the question is, how can we say that Avram should cause such a yerida, such a descent, such a lowering for Sarah to end up in the house of Paro because of the elevation, because of the spiritual benefit that he would have because of it? Just like we asked the question in the literal sense, because he would get money, he would get rich so he could endanger her. And because he would benefit spiritually, how could he endanger her? And even though it was clear to Avraham that the ultimate purpose of his going to Mitzrayim was to be elevated, Yitav Li, Hashem promised me I'll get rich, so maybe this is how it will happen. The truth is, Hashem has many ways to do things. And Avraham had to rely on Hashem, that if Hashem said he'd get rich, he'd get rich. Why in the world would he have to 
makes her, puts Sarah's life into danger. So now if we go back to what we learned in the Zohar and we continue reading it and emphasizing it rather, what do we see? So the Zohar says, no. Lo samich al delay. He had absolutely no reliance on any of his own merits. El al But he relied completely and totally on the merit and greatness of his wife. And the Zohar continues, Der Yirvach, he would profit, he would gain, begino, in her merit. Because of her greatness, he would gain the money of the nations. And then the Zohar continues, as we said, the money that a person has is all the schus, the bracha that a person has is in the schus of his wife, only through her. And therefore, it's understood that it must be so beruchnius in the spiritual sense in order that Avram should be able to accomplish what he had to, to refine the sparks of holiness that existed in Mitzrayim, it wasn't enough for him to go down to Mitzrayim. He alone would apparently not be able to do it relying on his merit spiritually, but it was specifically in her merit that this would happen. As the Rebbe says, only by her being brought down so low, by her ending up in the house of Paro, that would make it possible to elevate those sparks in her merit. Now, what is the whole purpose of Yerida, of going down? Why does a neshama come down into the world in the first place? So, for an aliyah, for an elevation. And this can happen only through the Isha Maskelis, through Sarah. So now we understand that if that's the case, we go back to the words of the Zohar with which we started. Let's read it again. Number one, the Zohar says, in her merit, nothing bad would happen to Avraham. He would definitely not be denigrated, not be lowered in any way. The Zohar continues. And in her schus, she herself would also not suffer. And it would not be any kind of descent for her in essence. So this is the story. Now we all know what the Chachamim tell us. The term, Maisa Avo Siman Laban. And why does the Torah tell us some of these stories or all of the stories the Torah repeats about what happened to the people of old, about what happened to our ancestors, about what happened to the patriarchs and the matriarchs? There's one purpose. Maisa Avo Siman Labanim. Whatever happened to those who came before us, that is a simon, some kind of sign of what would happen to their future offspring. And whatever they were able to do, we learn, it gives us a koach, it gives us the strength to accomplish what we have to. So essentially, it's a lesson in the divine service that a person has when it comes to the general descent of the neshama into the body in general, and specifically when the neshama ends up descending into a person in a world of golos where we don't see godliness at all. Because as we know from other places, the Zohar says that Abraham and Sarah, they are our mate, our father, our mother, but they also allude to the level of the neshama and the guf. The Zohar elaborates on the fact that Abraham represents the soul, the neshama, and Sarah represents the guf, the body. Uh, what do we learn there in the work of Torah and mitzvot, in the work that a yid has to do to study Torah and to perform, 
the commandments that Hashem wants us to perform and to be mevarer the nitzotzos, to bring out the light in the hidden sparks of holiness, there are two ways with which in two ways with which we do it, two general ways. Everything we do can be either the first way or the second way that the Rebbe mentions here. One is we serve Hashem and it's obvious that this is certainly a service of the soul. When we learn, we daven, we do holy spiritual things, but it's done with the body. But the things that are being done are not things of the world. And the second way is that whatever has to get accomplished gets accomplished by the fact that the body, the goof, is the main character here, the main performer here. And the person who is doing it is really part and parcel of worldly things. On the contrary, the person leaves his lofty level of davening and learning or whatever it is that the person represents in terms of the neshama and vests himself in matters and in actions of our world. And as we know, the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, what kind of world are we in? So the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, the pathways of this world are koshim, they are difficult, they are tough, and they are bad, and the wicked have the upper hand, and the neshama is thrust through being in the body of a person into this world, and in this world that is so difficult, and so dark, what happens? That's where we study Torah. That's where we fulfill its commandments. And that is the place where we bring out the holiness that is hidden everywhere and that is present everywhere in the world. So in a general way, this is similar to what we study in Hasidus, that there are two ways of serving Hashem. And these two ways of serving Hashem and showing our love for Hashem are represented by the two relationships, by the two identities that Sarah has in this discussion. On the one hand, Sarah is, should say that she is Avraham's sister. And on the other hand, she's really Avraham's wife. So these are two levels. Sister and wife represent two levels of divine service in terms of love of God because they represent a relationship between a, a, per, a, a sister and a brother. is a relationship of love, and it's a kind of love that manifests itself or that represents the love of the Yitz for Hashem. And the relationship between a man and a woman, between a man and a wife, is also a level of love between Hashem and the Jewish people. But each one represents a different level of love that exists in the heart of the Yitz for Hashem. So the hidden love that exists in the heart of every single Yid, because we have the Nefesh Elokis. So this kind of love is natural, naturally inherent in the Yid. A Yid is born with that love for Hashem, and this love can never, ever be stopped. It never stops. It may sometimes be latent, but it's always, essentially, it's always there. And this is represented by the love of a sister and a brother, which is a natural love from birth. The sister and the brother are both born of the same parents and automatically they have this love and this love is forever. It cannot be broken, unlike the love between a man and a woman, which is strong in many ways, but this love can sometimes be stopped. Sometimes 
the love has to end in a divorce between the man and the woman, whereas the love between a brother and the sister is natural and that's just part of who they are. But on the other hand, for this very reason, because the love between a brother and a sister is a natural love, so this love does not have in it the profound yearning and the all-consuming passion of the love between a man and a woman. And therefore, this love does not lead to what the love of a man and a woman leads, leads to when they get married, that they are two separate entities that become one. So what do we see over here? Unlike, uh, similar, we're going to discuss now what happens when we are doing our avoda in this world and the body and the soul together have to try to serve Hashem. So let's see. There is the love that represents the love between a man and a woman that even though this love can be paused and can be cut off because this is not natural, it's something that develops over time. However, this is the love that has the simo, the yearning, the thirst, and this is the love that leads to an all-consuming passion. And this is the love that leads that leads to the yichud, that leads to the unity of the man and the woman until they both become one, the ultimate connection between two people. And this is the lesson that we learn here from the way Avraham conducted himself in our story. We learned in the Zohar that the parnosa, the bracha, the success that the man would have is in the schos of the wife, Sarah. So let's put it this way, the Rebbe says. The neshama gets, uh, comes down into this world. And we know the concept of Yerida, it descends for the purpose of Aliyah, for the purpose of an ultimate elevation. And it comes down and it gets involved in things of this world, which is compared to Mitzrayim. And the Yid sometimes is put into such a lowly place, even like the house of Paro, which spiritually represents something very much not, not like the neshama. But being that the whole purpose of coming there is to refine whatever is there, the person has to refine whatever portion Hashem gives him in this world to refine and to bring out the light that's hidden under the darkness. So it's understood that if this is what Hashem wants, nothing bad could happen to the Yid when he, when he does this. And the soul is not become, does not become any less. And nobody could hurt Sarah or Avraham, the body will not get sunken into the klipa and the negative of this world, but and the neshama will not become less, but both the body and the soul will ultimately be elevated to heights and greater heights in an endless way. Now we have to understand, everything that we learn in Torah is meticulous, is exact and accurate. So if we go to the phrase we learned in the Zohar, that what was Avraham saying when he said that it should be good for me because of you he was referring to the refining and the elevating of the sparks of Kedusha and Avraham could do this the Neshama could do this only in the schus of his wife he relied completely on her, on her schus so how could it be that this benefit that he would have could only be if she would say she's his sister and that way, his life would be spared and he would benefit. That's, and similarly, in the spiritual 
avoda of the neshama and the guf. When we fulfill this goal that the Ebishter has for every single yid of Yerida Tzorech Aliyah, how does this happen? It doesn't come about through the level that represents the sister, through the natural greatness of the neshama, but specifically through the avoda with the guf. We say that Avraham is the soul and Sarah is the body. And here Avraham needed Sarah to benefit from what had to be accomplished by both of them in Avodah Sabirurim, in clarifying and illuminating the world. So he needed Sarah, in other words. What is the Avodah of Sarah? Sarah is the Avodah of the type of Avodah we described second, a few minutes ago, that it's working with the Gashmias of the world. What is the Avodah of Avraham? That's the avoda of Ruchnius. It comes through a guf, through a body, but it's mainly being connected to Hashem, communing with Hashem, and enjoying His glory. As it says in Chsidis, when Avraham said the words, Achosi, it means the natural love of the guf of the neshama. Of the, sorry, of, of the neshama that is there. So what, how could that be? Avraham is... Which one is superior? Which one is more important? Which avoda leads us to the ultimate thing? Avraham, the neshama, needed Sarah, the guf, to survive and to have all those blessings. So what did we learn here? So now we'll understand one more thing. If we go to the Zohar that we quoted in the beginning, where we learned about the fact that Avraham relied completely on the schus of Sarah and knew that because of Sarah, Nothing would happen to him, and nothing would happen to her. But she had to end up in the house of Paro, and nothing would happen to her, and only this way would he be able to accomplish what he had to accomplish. So to understand this better, the Zohar continues, and the Zohar says that Rebbe Lazar, who was the son of Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, was once going to see his father, Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, and with him came his friend, his chavrusa, Reb Abba. And as they were beginning their journey, Reb Abba said to Reb Lazar, the son of Reb Shemar Bar Yochoi, Nima Milindo Raisa. Let us say words of Torah and let us go. So when Reb Lazar heard this, he started saying words of Torah. What words of Torah did he say? What was his var Torah for this journey? He quoted what we were just learning in Parshas Lech Lecha. He said, it says, Imri na'achosiyat, that Avram said to Sarah to say that she's his sister, Haikra Kashya. So this, of course, arouses the question. How did he do it? So the Rebbe quotes here, how Yitzchak, his father explains it in his notes on the Zohar. And this is what the Rebbe says. Hischilid rosh bazaha Why when Rebbe Lazar and Rebbe Abba were traveling to see Rebbe Shimon and they chose to say Advar Torah, why specifically they begin to expound on this pasuk? Because there Amar Avraham This is exactly what Avraham said to Sarah when they were going to Mitzrayim. Reb Abba, the Reb Levik says, Reb Lazar and Reb Abba are similar spiritually to Avraham and Sarah, because Avraham and Sarah represent. Abba and Ima of Ain. They are the matriarch, the patriarch, the father, and the matriarch, the mother. And similarly, too, 
if we're learning in Kabbalah, we're learning about Sphero, so Reb Elazar is the level of Chochmah, the sphere of Chochmah we learn, and Reb Abba is the sphere of Bina. So Chochmah and Bina are representative of Abba and Ima. Abraham is Chochmah, and Sarah is Bina. Im Cain, Halichasam Bederechu, so therefore, because they are similar in this way, their journey is similar to the journey of Avram and Sarah when they were traveling. And when Avram and Sarah were traveling away from Canaan, and Avram said to Sarah, say that you are my sister. So because Rebbe Lozer and Rebbe Abba were also traveling, they were going out of their normal domain, which was to sit and study Torah. Like Avram's domain was supposed to be Eretz Yisrael. So Rebbe Lozer also begins to say Adrasha on the same pasuk that we learn in the Chumash, the words that Avram said to Sarah at this time. So we're really learning the story about Rabab and Rabbi Lazar, but at the same time, we're learning something else. What are we learning? If we look at the theme of the discussion, that the theme of the story of Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Abba, which represent Chachman Bina, we will better be able to understand what this has to do with Avraham and Sarah, and we said what this has to do with the neshama and the guf, because Avraham is the neshama, and Sarah is the guf. Avraham is chachma, and Sarah is bina. Rabbi Lazar, son of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, is chachma, and Rabbi Abba is bina. So if we go to the spheros, so what do we see? What is chachma and what is bina? So we all learn that chachma is the initial spark. That's the source. And it comes down into Bina. So Bina is the recipient of Chochmah. Chochmah is higher, of course, because it's the source. The Bina is only a development and an expansion of the Chochmah. But the Chochmah could only be developed after it comes down in Bina in a way that it could be understood, in a way that it could be comprehended, in a way that it could be uh, explained and applied in all its details. So what happens? When the Chachma comes down in Bina, the Chachma itself is elevated, the essential, whatever that spark of Chachma wants, it becomes greater, and it's something that develops in a way that this could not have been seen before that initial spark came down in what we call Bina. And what's the reason? So we learn in that Bina originates in a higher source than Chachma, and therefore, through Bina, Chachma can be expounded and developed, and new things can happen to Chachma when it comes down in Bina. However, the fact that Bina is able to elevate Chachma can only happen after Bina receives the depth of the Chachma. When the Chachma comes down into Bina, then the greatness of Bina becomes revealed because it's higher, and through this, Chachma itself is elevated. And similarly with the concept of Isha and Isha, man and woman. What do we know? We're familiar with the teachings of the Chachamim that Bina Yisera, Nitna Be'isha Yoser Mi Be'ish, that women were endowed with a greater Bina, a deeper Bina than the man. So we, if we're talking about the creation of a child that takes place, by a man and a woman, so the initial cell from which the child develops is from the ish, we would call it chachma, but the development of the actual child is specifically through the isha, through the woman, 
and being that the quality of the woman is something that's more innate, more hidden, more essential, it can only manifest itself when the Isha becomes the recipient of what she receives from the Ish, and then together they could create this new human being. And through bringing down this great light, and it brings to a bracha, which is just not so far from Parshas Bracious, where we learn that after Hashem created Adam and Chava, we learn in the Posuk that Hashem created Zohar, he created the masculine in the cave and the feminine, Baral, some he created them, and Hashem blessed them, and Hashem said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and conquer her. So this can only happen when the two come together. Similar to this is the explanation in the story of Reb Abba and Reb Lazar. Who were these people? This was the son of Reb Shemar Bar and this was one of the contemporaries, one of the colleagues and students of Reb Shemar Bar So they were leaving their usual place. What was their place? They sat and studied Torah all day long, and they never stopped. And there's so many debates as to whether they had to pause sometimes to fulfill a mitzvah, because their inyan, their point in being here, was the study of Torah. So if they were going on a journey, for them this is definitely a lowering. But it's a lowering in which, whatever the purpose of the journey was, to visit Reb Shimon, so by doing this, they are go doing something we all do in the world, we travel, and through this, they would elevate and they would bring out the light that exists in the world the way we see it clearly. Rebbe Lazar, that Rebbe Lazar, the son of Rebbe Shimon Bayochoi, and Rebbe Abba from Rebbe Shimon Bayochoi's colleagues, they, about them it is written, Torah umnosam. Torah is their trade. They're completely not connected to things of this world. So when they are going baderach, even if they're going to see Rebbe Shimon, it was certainly a pause in their normal conduct, and it was certainly some sort of yerida. It was certainly not something that was going up, but it was more something that was going down. It was going out of their regular status or their regular setting, which was the highest possible level that, that could be. And therefore, Reb Abba said to Reb Elazar, Nima Melinda Raisa, let us speak words of Torah. Because how is it possible to accomplish something in the world? The world is so different of Torah, so seemingly devoid of godliness. How can one even accomplish something like that, bringing out the greatness of the spiritual, bringing out the light of Hashem, only through the power and the assistance which comes from learning Torah? As we know, when a person, for example, is in this world, the person is involved in business or in a profession, what is the whole purpose of it? He's doing regular things like all kinds of regular people. But the point is to make a dwelling place for Hashem. So how do you make a dwelling place for Hashem? Even if you're in business or you spend your day doing different types of things like all human beings do in the world to survive and to grow and to succeed, the beginning of the day begins the study of Torah. But it's not only that it starts by davening and learning in the morning, but, and going on to do things of the world, but even when the person is involved in the actual profession, in the actual business, in the actual farming of the field, or the painting of a picture, or the creation of music, one needs constantly the help and the impetus 
of the light of Torah because one has to feel that whatever one does is through Torah and for Torah and this leads a person sometimes in the middle of doing physical material mundane tasks to take a few minutes to learn something or to think of something godly or to say a parak of Tillam or whatever and this is what makes it or to do a Jew a favor and this is what makes it possible to be able to bring the light into the darkness, even when the darkness is very great. And that's why Reb Abba said to Reb Elazar, so the Rebbe's father explains, what's the name Elazar? So we know the name Elazar from the Chumash, when this was the name given to the son of Moshe Rabbeinu, and the name was Elazar, Elazar meaning Kale, God, Elokei Avi, the God of my father, Be'ezri, is there to help me. That when one is actually literally on the path of Olam Haza, on the path that one follows in this very physical world, we must always remember that we need the help, the special help that comes only from Hashem. And how do we get this help that comes only from Hashem? Like Reb Abba said, to Reb Lazar to the God who is there to help us, to assist us with what we need, let us say words of Torah, even if we're on the path, even if we're on a journey. And through that, we're able to see the tremendous advantage of benefit and benefit of refining the sparks of Kedusha that are in this world, which is represented by the journey we take going through this world or any journey we take while we are going through this world. This is how we make this world a dwelling place for Hashem. And this is superior by far to what we accomplish just by sitting and learning Torah, which is the greatest thing that could be. But when we just learn Torah and we don't get involved in the things of the world, we don't have an opportunity to transform the darkness into light in the same way. In the same way, and in conclusion, the Rebbe says, this would similarly apply regarding Avraham and Sarah, whatever we just said about Rebbe Lazar and Rebbe Abba. And similarly as well to the neshama, to the soul and the guf, the body. So we are traveling on this journey. And this journey is really after we have descended to Mitzrayim. Avraham and Sarah traveling in Mitzrayim. Or for us, we are traveling in the Golos. And in general, the very fact that the neshama comes into the guf, it's a descent. It's going out into the dark into the seer, whichever way it's compared in different places. So Avram has to say to Sarah, the neshama has to say to the guf, Imrina achosiat, say that you are my sister. Why say that you are my sister? Because the guf has to remember that in it is the neshama and has to remember that this neshama came down only for the purpose of serving Hashem and revealing the light of the neshama. And by doing this, the work of the isha, the work of the guf, becomes accomplished if this is done right. And what happens is that this avoda, this kind of service, elevates the guf itself. The body becomes spiritually refined, which, and the body falls down lower. Because <coughs> we learn is that its source is even higher. And the mile of Ishti, the vote of the Guf, over the vote of the Neshama is seen because this is the only kind of avoda that can transform darkness into light. And this accomplishes that this upper journey 
the journey towards the higher levels, the journey when the guf itself becomes refined, is leman yitavli ba'avureich. Without the guf, the neshama cannot accomplish what it has to. So Avram says to Sarah, I, I will only benefit through you. If one merits a isha maskelis, isha maskelis meaning the guf, isha maskelis meaning the bina, if one has that, zacha bekula. So literally it means the man has his blessings in the schus of his wife. But on a deeper level, we're going to say it like this, the way that Rebbe concludes, through the avoda of the soul within the body and through the body in the portion that Hashem sets aside for each person in this world to refine. And the body itself is chumri, it's coarse, hanid mebe yuso, spiritually coarse, that resembles in chumriyus the bodies of all other peoples. And therefore, it could happen that one could become affected by Mitzrayim, by sort of what's called the nakedness of the land, the place where anything goes. So we would think that the Jewish body belongs right there, like we would think that Sarah was taken, what happened was Sarah was taken to the, to the house of Paro, which she, God forbid, succumbed. So here we learn that when, through this avoda, what happens? When we do this avoda of achos, and we allow ourselves to first be affected by the natural love that we have for Hashem, the light of the neshama shines out, that automatically will cause this love to spread into the body and into the animal soul. And the avoda, the divine service that's connected with refining and elevating the body and through elevating ourselves, elevating all those we come into contact with and all things we have a connection to. And then we begin to see what Hashem really chooses more than anything. And this is specifically in the guf and through it to the neshama. But we need the light of the neshama to, to help this happen, to make this happen. And the ultimate revelation of this will be when Mashiach will come, then we will see, as the Zohar says, that the neshama is really sustained from this very gulf, which is represented by Avram's reliance on Sarah when he went down to Mitzrayim. Thank you, and may we merit to see the results of all our work. May there be shalom in Eretz Yisrael, a shalom in the world, and the light of all the avoda of the neshama in the gulf should finally be revealed as we herald Moshiach Zidkenu.